Welcome everyone to Already Cancelled, I'm Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4, Episode 15. It's called First Contact. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. Uh, so this is an interesting episode, because it, I mean, it is a story of First Contact, it's a story of the Enterprise being tasked with making first contact with a civilization that's about to enter the stage where they've got warp space capabilities where they can travel to other systems and will likely then start running into other species and other other planets. But what I think makes this interesting is that it actually tackles it from the perspective of the, the planet itself. Uh, and I'd say the main characters of this episode are in fact the, you know, the Chancellor who's like the, the world leader on this planet and the, the scientist who's pushing the space program uh, as well as a couple other characters. And even once it introduces... Because there's obviously one Enterprise character, Rikers, down there, sort of. That's the reveal at the end of the opening scene. But even once it introduces other characters, like Picard and Troy, it still kind of keeps going back to the planet as if it's their episode, as opposed to then switching to feeling like it's, you know, we're following Picard and crew from their side of things. Uh, mm-hmm. So a very interesting take here. So what did you think of First Contact? Uh, it's it's not bad. Uh, a lot of nice ideas. Uh, really like kind of what it's playing with. It's kind of story in the point. I think it's a little bit. Uh, it's not quite right in the pacing department. Something that feels a little bit off with it to me. Um, I'm trying to put my finger on exactly what it is. I think it's it's maybe. I don't know, maybe it's a uh, a little bit too too slow in the first half, and then it ramps up a little bit too much uh, after a certain point. Kind of feels like a bit of a switch rather than a, a gradual incline up. I can't really say I share that uh, perspective. I never really noticed any such thing. Um, I happen to really like this episode. In fact, I think this is maybe going to combat the uh, the O'Brien episode as best of the season so far. Uh, I, I think this one's actually pretty exceptional. Um, partly because it's a look into this this process of first contact. And given it this, I mean, we've obviously had hints of first contact here or there throughout Star Trek thus far, but this really kind of centers in on the actual, because it's always this, like, oh, we've triggered first contact too early, so now we have to deal with the consequences and try and fix it. We've had that a couple of times, or we've had a lot of things like that. This was like, no, 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 this, this civilization are about to legitimately need to be entered into the, 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 the universal, like, diplomatic world, and... This is the first... And I, I actually really appreciated the reference later on in the episode when Picard says, yeah, the first contact with the Klingons went a little bit rough, so it ended, ended with decades of war. So, you know, we, we made this controversial choice to always kind of try to spy on the planets first just so we understand who they are, so we can understand the best approach to a peaceful uh, approach. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, and you get why they're sceptical when they hear, wait, you've had someone pretending to be one of us on our surface. Like, you get why that sounds fishy. Yeah, but... and, and it's not even just the one that they've got in Riker. It's that, no, mm. they've had teams down there for years, you know, kind of going through this stuff methodically. <sighs> yeah. And there's some really fun stuff, because I wasn't necessarily even taking this as a sort of allegory for Earth, even though, I mean, clearly their technological point where they're, they're, they're not like a, an ancient civilization or anything like that, and they're just on the cusp of warp space travel, so they're maybe just a little bit more advanced than Earth. But later on in the episode, when it really started to get to the nitty-gritty of how they're reacting to people coming down, and then when it talks about, well, what about these stories of, you know, one of us being in one of your medical facilities, and they talk about how, well, no one will believe them, it'll just become kind of a myth that people will laugh off, and I'm like, are Star Trek writers insinuating that Roswell... <laughs> 
was actually something like this <laughs> because that's quite what it possibly like. <laughs> uh, it does sound a lot like that and in fact you know there's a point um at the end of the episode when the the chancellor kind of makes his decision he's like do you know what our people just aren't ready for this and, and i'm like yeah okay you're really kind of making the point that this is earth right at, the, at this point yeah which i don't think is a problem i won't make no, that clear no i don't either uh, uh, I, I, I don't dislike that either if anything, it just enriched that a little bit more by the end, where I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, it's not really ready yet. Because, um, I mean, much of the episode, like I say, it focuses on these characters. It focuses on uh, the Chancellor and uh, uh, Marastas, the, the scientist uh, who who's pushing for warp travel. And at the end of the episode, you know, once the decision's been made that we're not ready for this and we're just going to have to ask you to leave, she's, she wants to stay in the Enterprise. And Picard's okay with it. And he, even the Chancellor, who is a fairly understandable guy like you know he's he's been very considerate of everything he's been skeptical and suspicious at points when he's had cause to but he's always tried to think it through and he's always tried to sort of see it from picard's perspective and when he makes this choice at the end it's one of like you know it's, it's one of uh wisdom it's not it's not out of anything else it's like no no I, i'm acknowledging that our people are not ready for this shit yeah he he makes the call that john you know we're gonna postpone the entire you know warp uh you know scientific research we're gonna channel those funds that we could have been you know that we kind of had going towards that and we were right on the cusp of doing it anyway but we're going to put that towards social reform and education and maybe make sure we're better as a society so that we can be ready for this in the future yeah but the point being is that she has to stay and he admits that yeah like she's going to have to lie because of what we're doing now and she's never going to feel fulfilled like it's probably better for her to leave now because she has discovered this she's been on the ship she's been on the enterprise she's been proven right she, she's never going to be satisfied living here in a lie anymore like th- there's no interest yeah. for her there uh, so he admits that and picard says okay wharf get, get her yeah. some quarters <laughs> he's got no real qualms with it he's like oh, you know yeah are you sure about this you won't be able to come back probably honestly um, it's not a million miles away from uh, saru and discovery there's definitely some correlations to to the so the federation rather accepting him and be like well you've discovered us your planet's not really there yet but yeah this is a little i think i'd say less controversial than saru oh, in, for sure. in the sense of yeah. you know this was you know the, the, they were ready for first contact at, you know as a as a civilization you know we had deemed them ready uh and they chose themselves not to be but maybe some of them are ready um, so yeah, you know, it, it's, it's so, it kind of works. Some, but not enough. It's it's kind of the democratic way of looking at it. Where okay, there's enough people who are sensible and will be understanding, but there's too many who are going to just be bigoted, who are just going to see outsiders, and it's going to become a conflict. And you know, it's, it's the head of security or defense, whatever his role is, who's like really paranoid all episode. Trying, like, no. trying to martyr himself by the end. Yeah, yeah, he tries to like frame Riker for trying to kill him, uh, but he doesn't. He doesn't know how to change the phaser to off stuns, so it ends up sort of backfiring. I, not I, literally. I don't think it's that he doesn't know how it's that he doesn't even realize there is a stun setting well yeah of course that's what i mean but you know the idea is even know that there's a stun function and therefore it backfires again not literally <laughs> yeah but uh and it even even like crusher when she eventually gets a hold of him to fix him because she has to be the one to and she's like yeah he's fine it just it was unstun but she points out that the way the blast hit him like he had to have his own hand on it like when it went off and uh and yeah, there's a possibility they were fighting over the weapon and it went off, but she's like, yeah, but Riker was like doped up and he'd been, because Riker gets attacked halfway through this episode. We have to talk about Riker's journey in this. So the opening oh. scene, the opening scene of this is very, um, it's almost like a really good homage to a Twilight Zone episode called Eye of the Beholder. Um, and spoilers for that episode if you've not seen it, but 
the whole premise of that episode, and it's a really artistically shot episode, where everything's shot from the neck down. You never see anyone's faces. Uh, but the main character's all ba- in bandages, right? Her head's all in bandages. She's in the hospital. And she's there for an operation because of how ugly she is. And the twist at the end of the episode, is when the bandages come off, is that she just looks like a normal human. She's like a beautiful woman. And the reveal is, is that everyone who we've been seeing from the neck down have got really these weird, like, you know, it's like a different planet with different, you know, it's not literally mm-hmm. a different planet. It's still meant to be this Earth on a different universe, say. But the, the twist being that, you know, to us, she looks normal, and to all, all these other people look like like demons you'd get in another show, but here, they're beautiful, and she's the ugly one. Um, and this kind of, that doesn't, you know, hide uh, them in this, but to, to a great extent, but it's the idea that we're in one of their hospitals, and it really sets you up for this as an episode from their perspective, because it's like, okay, they're like, wait, this guy's got weird hands, what's going on? And then it's revealed at the end of the scene, this is Riker, who's in one of their hospitals, and they don't know what he is, they're confused, so... You know, it sets up a lot of the, the ideas of the episode, but I, I thought mm. it was a really interesting introduction into the whole thing. But Riker, because he's weird enough, uh, the head doctor is actually, again, a pretty noble guy. He kind of falls into the, the you know, the, 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 the chancellor's kind of way of thinking where, okay, there's some weird things going on here, but, you know, I took an oath to, like, you know, do no harm, and I'm going to... And, he, you know, he, he sort of stands his ground on that later when he's confronted with, like, basically... It's, it's, do- it's good to know that every sufficiently advanced society has a Hippocratic oath. Yeah, well... But he's, he's, he's asked to do something to wake Riker up so he can be questioned, but it'll probably kill him because of the amount of drugs that he's having to pump into his system. And he refuses to do it, so that's something that happens later on. So it makes you kind of, you know, appreciate and like him. But mm. Riker, first of all, though, he does get better from his original injuries when he was brought in. And he, he wants to try and escape. And out of nowhere, Lilith Crane walks in. Uh, if you don't recognize the actress, she played Lilith on Frasier, and Cheers as well, I suppose. Uh and she is one of these aliens uh her voice is very recognizable it is isn't it it just cuts straight through you almost to the point where it almost took me out of the scene because it's lilith and it's her voice and even though the dialogue's not written to sound like lilith like she has such a distinct voice that just they sound like lilith i was like this is this is weird like i'm expecting it some people have those voices and you associate them with certain roles that there's no getting away from it yeah, she, she'll always be kind of a Morticia Adams-style, like, presence. No matter how hard she tries to be warm and friendly or otherwise. <laughs> like, just, yeah. I don't know, she's always going to have it, that it, I don't think it helps that she's a little bit of an oddball, even in this scene. She is an oddball, yeah. She essentially says you're an alien, aren't you? Because the rumours are starting to spread outside. There's a lot of guards, they're all talking. And she says, look, I'll help you escape on one condition. And he's like, sure, what? He's like, have sex with me first. He's like, wait, wait, what? What was that? It's like, I've always wanted to have sex with an alien. What? <laughs> Which, now, keep, now, keep, I think for context is important here. This is a civilization that up until this point, aliens are only something they've had in fiction, just like us. Yes. So the, her saying, I've always wanted to have sex with an alien, just imagine the sort of person on Earth right now who would say that. That's how, we, that's how weird she is. There are plenty of them, though, let's be honest. Not that, that many. Oh, grass, I bet there are. And the grass I bet you're things. underestimating it vastly. Well, they're still weird, though. Though the, the, the point I'm well, making, yeah, I'm not disputing that. The point I'm making is you can actually directly gauge how weird this is that she's saying this based on the real world, because our civilization and where we are is very similar to this civilization and where they are in the context of this episode. So you get yeah. it. You get like how bizarre this is. And he says, well, that may not work because, you know, there's some differences to, like, how you would do it. And she's like, well, I can't wait to find out. And to my surprise, the camera just, like, cuts to an exterior shot and then they they come out of the room later and I'm like, wait, 
Did it happen? There's there's a very strong implication that Riker went through with it. Yes. Because I think the final uh, shot is is her kind of with his fingers, uh, you yes. know, kind of being all seductive with the fingers, and and then cuts outside, and it 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 definitely plays like he went through with it. All for nothing, might I add, because he it gets caught almost immediately in the hallways. Uh, Not her fault, Medley. She does she does hold up her end of the bargain. I mean, she does. I I think honestly, she really had to think through like how much effort she was going to put into this because all she really did was distract the one guard that was right outside the room. She did nothing to maintain that he'd have a path out of the building. Yeah, <laughs> he gets caught. He doesn't even get to the elevator. He's still on the same floor. Yeah, didn't go that well. <laughs> but he gets beat up so badly that he's basically dying from his wounds, and that's why he's in such a, a bad state for the rest of the episode. Um. But I think the rest episode does a really good job of setting up the Chancellor and setting up this, you know, head of defense and him being so skeptical and, you know, this this planet, the people aren't ready for their, the idea that they're the center of the universe to be challenged and the idea that there's there's something out there that will disprove the, that notion. Um, and again, the Chancellor, like when he meets Picard and Picard comes in, and he's very, again, open-minded when he's, he's told about all this. Because I think the way he puts it is that you know, t- t- this morning I thought I was the, the leader of the universe, and then by the afternoon I find out I'm just a voice in the chorus. Uh, yeah. As the exact line he uses, he talks about his family and talks about all these things. Um, the scenes with Picard and him, like, kind of, like, talking, and I think they're really well done because the Chancellor says, you know, these are the sort of things that someone who was planning to, like, betray us or planning something might say if they're trying to, like, trick us. And P- Picard's like, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, but you got to just learn to trust yeah, you can't just miraculously have that happen. Yeah, and and yeah, Picard understands this as well. He's like, I, I get why you're skeptical here. I get why you don't trust me immediately. Why would you? I'm a, I'm a random alien who's just shown up and gone. Hey, here's some cool stuff. And it's it's the same as well because the whole Riker thing is kept secret. Uh, Marista knows because they ask her about him, and she says, "Look, don't tell the Chancellor about this element that you've got someone on the surface because that will be enough to make him suspicious, and the others that are high up in the government will." use that to drive a motivation to drive a political motivation and so i, I liked how it was touching on all these ideas i i think by the end as well the idea that they don't finish making first contact and the mature choice is made that look clearly what happened in the hospital with someone trying to martyr themselves to make sure we saw them saw you as the enemy is a sign that perhaps we're not completely ready for this that there's too many people who are mm. not going to be willing to make this transition and, you know, one day, hopefully, when we're still both alive, you can come back and we can we can finish this. But I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And Picard accepts. And it's, you know, it's, it's this hopeful idea for, for the It's for the very future. civil, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, li- I liked it because it wasn't necessarily the resolution I was expecting, I, I think. I, I agree with that. I, I like the idea of, in this case, you know, the, the Chancellor recognizing that their society would be a detriment to the galactic society, right? And just throwing them in there would be a detriment to them. And it's like, do you know what? No, we, we need to work on our own society first, you know, so I'm going to, you know, we're going to do education, social programs, get better as a society and more accepting, and then we'll be ready and then we'll come join you. Yeah. Uh, it, it was an interesting choice. I uh, really appreciate it. It makes you like him a lot as well, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think Marista comes, comes off quite well in the sense that she has been a little bit in a rush to like move on, but at the same time, you completely understand why she would be just like in a cage if she stayed. Like, I mean, not yeah. literally, but she'd feel like she was in a cage because she she knows this world exists. She knows this this open 
your universe exists and to be cut off from it um is is you know maddening um and i think i loved that it didn't dwell too much on the specific technology obviously the phaser gets brought up uh chancellor does meet data and he's like oh wait you're a you're a machine is it well artificial life form would be more accurate i i think it didn't dwell too much on the actual tech because i think the point isn't so much that it's all star trek tech the whole point is that this is an earth-like world just seeing something more advanced uh yeah i think like if if we looked at these things now like let's just say an alien showed up to us and had this mm. tech we'd be like oh this is interesting don't get me wrong because it would be but it wouldn't it wouldn't be inconceivable to us it's kind of like like the, the idea if you went back 300 years and showed them a telephone like that would be inconceivable oh sure yeah that'd be absolutely mean whereas now we can kind of we can, we're conditioned enough that we can understand it even if we're not at that level ourselves yeah i mean maybe it's just because like movies and tv and science fiction but if someone used like a you know a teleportation beam to like to come in like i think we'd obviously be in shock because we'd never seen something anything close to that working but it wouldn't be that long before we just start asking questions about it and understanding at least conceptually what it is and therefore okay how does this work how did you do this like what right yeah. and i think it's reasonable to assume that they're on a similar path you know, you know yeah they have their own fiction you know they they're, they already have stories about aliens otherwise she wouldn't have wanted to bang one yeah exactly. right? Precisely. so yes. you know it, it's not unreasonable to assume they have a similar idea of technology to us and in, in their fiction maybe not the exact specifics but yeah close enough yeah she's the only person on that planet who's banged a human that's a quite a quite a claim right now is. She'll never be able to tell anyone. <laughs> well, she might. She, she'll be one of those people on those like magazine covers saying, I had sex with an alien and I've had its baby. She, she will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she is. Maybe that's why... Because that, that is actually... If I have a complaint, is that I did get a kick out of that scene with her and like, the whole... But like, it felt like it came out of nowhere it, and it, was just random. It felt tonally a little inconsistent with a fairly down... I'd move that down to earth, but like it felt like a really nuanced episode that wasn't that over the top. And then that scene, like, oh, well, I'll help you escape if you have sex with me. I was like, okay, this was a little bit like a, a different tone. It felt like we slipped into like a, a 50s sci fi movie or something. Yeah. Um, I get a kick out of it though, so I can't. Maybe with the ending, you're right. Maybe it makes more sense because, yeah. okay, if this society is just going to have stories of, oh, this will happen, now you'll have people going, you know, I was probed and so on. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think all those things are done really smart to kind of make it feel like, yeah, this is going to be this world's Roswell. And the question is then, is how long is it from Roswell to when first contact is actually made? In the context of Star Trek, just because I vaguely remember uh, from the movie First Contact, I think it's like, it's later this century that we're in. It's like 2080 or something like that, I don't know. Something like that. 2070, 2080, something in like that range. Um, frankly sure, a little ambitious given the last handful of years i'm, I'm sure it'll be uh mentioned it's been, it'll be, it'll be it, mentioned. it probably already yeah. has been yeah yeah but because that movie revolves around it that's where i remember it from oh um, that makes sense but I'm, I'm sure it's probably been mentioned at some random point probably, in the past probably uh, well zephyr cochran's been mentioned at least a couple of times so yeah uh, and that's what he's all involved in so yeah yeah i i, I think this episode is a really interesting take on a concept that's already been around pretty much for the entirety of Star Trek, not even just next gen. Although definitely 
Next Gen's version is a lot more diplomatic and calm than what Kirk would have been. I'm shocked. You know, wishing into a, <laughs> wishing into a new planet. No, no wonder the Klingon one went badly if Kirk was involved. <laughs> that said, if Kirk was involved, how many more aliens would have been banged? <laughs> He'd have been one making the offer, though. He you would, know? yeah. Yeah, Riker was coerced into it here, but Kirk would have been the one to be like, hey, like, would any alien ladies like a bit of human? Because... Let's be honest, though. Only it took all that much convincing for Riker here. Ah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think Riker, well, he's a bit of a ladies' man. I think he's not that flippant with his endeavors. Usually, I would agree, but it took him about forty-five seconds here to be convinced. <laughs> it was a bit out of it. He was still on drugs, okay? He was not sure, sure, at yeah. his full capacity. I, I hope Troy brings this up at some point in the future, and he's like, "I was on drugs." I, I, I don't know, maybe just Lilith's voice just got cut through to him. Maybe it did. Just cut through to him. It, 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 always, it always lured Fraser back in, despite the fact that <laughs> Lilith was always presented as the Antichrist on that show, but the set, but they always ended up having those random weekends together at various points in the show. It's true. It's it always true. happened. Um, yeah, no, it's funny. It's, because that's the thing, when, when Crusher beams down into the, the hospital room, because uh, you know, if, if it turns out that Picard is a, and the counselor or the Chancellor have agreed to, you know, to cooperate to like save him and stop all this, um, Worf comes in with her, you know, as security, and I'm like, okay, it's but they've just seen that human for the first time and then Klingon beams into the room. Yeah, you've seen one alien, you've seen them all. <laughs> Apparently. Um but yeah, I, I, I think it's a really solid exploration. Like I say, I love that it never shifts to the perspective of the of Picard. Picard always enters the scenes as the the outsider. He's always the not the character we're following. Uh, we never see Picard with like Data or whoever on the like on the Enterprise talking about what to do or try to save Riker. We're purely in the the conspiracy of the characters on the ground. We're purely with them and talking about how to handle a situation and. Obviously, like any Trek episode, the whole point of this is it's supposed to say more about our characters than it is about the guest characters, and I think it still does. I, I think the way Picard handles this and the way he tries to let them make their choices does reinforce think, the ideas of what this is supposed to be about. Yeah, I think while you're not wrong, I think this is a particular unusual exception to the rule where it's not about the guest characters per se, but more about the strong analogy with earth and that's kind of what it's about more than any character on either side yeah i mean they're kind of both there it's it's one of those things where the allegory is so strong that it it almost maybe overpowers everything else but i don't i don't think that actually takes away from what it's actually saying about how our characters actually like get involved here or what they're trying to do it's it's maybe a I almost wonder if this episode in some way is the writers who have maybe had conversations in the past about poking holes in the show's own rules and saying, well, what if we actually do an episode exploring this to see how it actually works? Because we never really mm. went through it proper, like, beat for beat like this, uh, from this kind of, like, not quite a success, obviously, by the end, but I'd say successful in the sense that they didn't end up at war. I mean, that's... <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, that's one way of measuring success, for sure. Uh, it's definitely... It's, it's not a critical failure. They didn't rule uh, on, you know on that if one. That is, if that is the bar for success, I can now class everything I've ever done in my life as successful, so... Hey, yeah. con- context is everything. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying it's a complete success, but it's not a natural one either. Yeah. It's, uh... 
It's, it's, it's an okay resolution, let's be honest. As an episode of Star Trek, it's a fantastic resolution. Yeah, I was about to specify. I don't mean that from a narrative, you know, uh, you know uh, as an enjoyment fact that it's, oh, it's only an okay. I meant an in-context story. Uh, it's, it's, it's an okay resolution for the characters. Yes. Um, and, you know, obviously we've met many aliens, many planets throughout Star Trek, perhaps more so in the original series in Next Gen, which hasn't necessarily went into that trope as often. But again, this is a very interesting example of doing it from their perspective and therefore making them feel like more... Because I think the character, the guest stars who are like on the planet that we tend to go to tend to feel relatively minor. I think this episode sidesteps that. It actually gives me two characters. The Chancellor, I think, is the more interested of the two once we really get to the meat of it. But I mm. think both him and Marista feel like main characters of this episode to the point where they don't just feel like throwaway guest stars. It feels like, no, 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 I'm invested in what choices they're going to make. I'm invested in what they're doing in the episode. Which I don't usually, I'm able to say, usually I, I like the, the guest plots in the sense that they're facilitating whatever the main characters are going through. This episode actually manages to overcome that and makes no, me I'm, care I'm about it. it. So No, I absolutely agree. I think it's a very good episode. I think the, the pacing thing that I was kind of hitting at uh, earlier, I think it actually starts around Riker's breakout. It's around that point where I think, you know, that scene does feel kind of random and out of nowhere at, at first. And and you know, we obviously, we've kind of justified later. And, don't, and I, de- I did still enjoy it while I was watching it, but I did feel the shift. And I think it's after that point where I felt things kind of just got quicker and, and and maybe it is things like Crusher and Wolf both just showing up and kind of just getting on with it and things like that kind of felt like there was a lot going on uh, all of a sudden in that back half uh with with contact with a lot of a lot of people uh and maybe that's kind of what was kind of getting at me I wonder if that's just a a necessity of the, the severity of the situation like, it might well be. They're yeah. at a breaking point where Riker's about to die, so they just have to kind of do this. And the idea that it's kind of snowballed a little bit with the you know the the, the defense guy who's like trying to martyr himself and create a, a intergalactic incident, <laughs> which is going to yes. Because imagine because one of the things that yeah the chancellor says when they're first debating that after he's like found out about the ship and and Picard and all that is that the defense guy's like you know what if they're actually hostile? You're being a bit naive by not thinking they are. And the chance is like, I've seen their ship. If they were hostile, we'd, we'd be dead already. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, we'd, we'd already be gone. We wouldn't That's stand a pretty a fair point. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny, because obviously skepticism is warranted. Like, anyone might be trying to trick them. It's true, but... And and to be fair, he's sceptical himself with Picard. You know, yes, he's yeah. there with Morgan. It's like, hey, you know, I don't know if I can trust you here. Um, but... I- and I think that may be the biggest success of the episode is that despite the fact that we know Picard, we know the Federation, we know the Enterprise, we know what their goal is, we know that there's nothing menacing or anything under the surface than what they're presenting. But because it gives it is from their perspective, I always felt like they justified why he was sceptical. I never felt like it was annoying that he was like not believing our characters. It always felt yeah. earned. It always felt It, it felt fair. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's kind of what I want to. It feels fair that he's skeptical of all this because who among us wouldn't be? Yeah. So, no, yeah, uh, it's a great episode. Uh, I am very pleased with it. I, I think it's funny because with the with the exception of the first one because it was the second part of uh, All Good Things. Um, not All Good Things. That's the finale. Uh, Best of Both Worlds. That's the one I'm trying to say. Yes. Uh, we got a second part of that at the start of the season, and I, I mentioned just a couple episodes ago that you know season four has been solid enough. There's been a lot of fun, fine episodes, but. 
it's really just the last few where I feel like we've had a couple of great ones, and I think this is a, a an added feather in the cap. I think season four has kind of really hit a stride here in the I, middle. Yeah, I don't think this is quite up with the standard of like uh, the O'Brien one, for example. For me, I know you said earlier that mm. it was kind of up there for you. I think it's a little bit, like, you know, the rung below for me, but it is certainly a a step above the majority of the first half of the season for sure. Yeah. It does feel like it was. Again, not bad. The episodes were fine, but it was kind of just in a bit of a, a routine, a rut. Like, you know, okay, these are just average episodes, and we're in a place now where average episodes are still pretty decent. But it's, I mean, what? It's, it's something like three out of the last four have been kind of hitting into that. Oh, this is actually really good territory. Yeah, the O'Brien one, the last one was Clues. That was really good. And then mm. this one here, really good stuff. So uh, looking ahead to next time, though, uh, we have an episode called Galaxy's Child. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always a little bit he- hesitant when the children are involved in a Star Trek episode. Uh, as Jordan LaForge finally meets the real Dr. Leah Brams... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Do you remember, remember, remember his AI? Like, weird... I do. And I remember us having a bit of a debate as to whether or not they were even still alive at the time. I don't even remember what side of the debate I was on, to be honest. I don't either. I, re- I just remember having a, a, a debate about it. Um, I don't know who would. Well, she's there. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> uh, also, the word Brahms, I really hate that word. How dare they? Every time you see it, you just <sighs> you shudder a little bit, don't you? Yes. Uh, so he meets the real Dr. Leah Brahms. A tragic first contact leaves the Enterprise with a gigantic galactic infant sucking the ship's energy. Oh, anyway, you know what? When the child <laughs> is a giant galactic fish, I'm a bit more into it. I- I, I like how we went from this first contact episode <laughs> to that. <laughs> I mean, I haven't even seen it yet, but they sound worlds apart. Oh, yeah. I've got a funny feeling, though, when they say first contact here, they don't mean, like, going through the process of, like, organized first contact. I imagine they just run into this thing, uh, Yes, I assume it is a lot <laughs> more random. <laughs> uh, the image on IMDb, though, is... That does look... Yeah, it looks like a fish sticking out the back of the Enterprise, so that'll be an interesting... <laughs> I can't wait to see that. Interesting visual. Um... Not a whole fish, just the back half of like a, a fish. Oh, just, the, just the back half of a fish. That yes. makes it all better. <laughs> back of the saucer section, to specify. Uh, not, not all the way back at the engines. Okay. Just to, just to be, be clear. It's, it's, it's not blowing its own body out then? No, 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 no. no. Uh. Um, but there you go. That's a, a fishy time. We're getting Leah, Brahms, and a giant galactic fish i i foresee no way this episode can disappoint us (laughs) i could see about 50 different ways you could disappoint us at this point i don't know giant Uh, fish it's 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 got a lot to go downhill all right that is uh but our discussion of of uh first contact not the movie of course we'll get to that after the show's done uh so let us know what you thought of this one in the comments below please do hit the like button liking super important on youtube and it lets us know you like the content and it'll keep coming but more importantly it lets youtube know that you like it and therefore they'll recommend us out more and we'll show up in more recommended feeds and things like that uh, you can support us with some monies if you want to and if you can uh, over at patreon.com slash tv for as little as one dollar per month you get some bonuses and of course, at $5 or more, you get LA access to some stuff, including the Star Trek reviews. So go and have a look and see if you're interested over there. Catch us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates. But otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Star Trek. And somewhere out there, Wesley Crusher is making first contact with the ladies. Yeah.